Oh, my turn? Yeah. Well, hello, folks. We are back again. I'm Ben, along with my partner, Alex, over there. And we have a special guest. Alex, do you want to introduce him? This is my buddy, Paul. Uh, he's been on the first two podcasts. We talked about him. Uh, he's a good fisherman. Uh, he's uh, one of the leaders of the Lone Star Kayak Series this year. So go ahead, Paul. Introduce yourself. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me out. Uh, my name's Paul. I'm a big kayak fisherman. live on the island. known Alex for too long. I don't know, like three or four years now. Um, he brought me on. He wants my kayak fishing expertise. I might give him a few tips, <laughs> secrets. Who knows? Okay, so first we want to start off with the weather. It was uh, a hard-fought battle with... Tropical Storm Cindy, but you know where we will rebuild. We all survive. Thank goodness. It's <laughs> it ravaged our coastline. For for anyone who doesn't know, we nothing happened. It rained one day, and it was sunny. It's, it's sunny out today. It's pretty. It's pretty sad. I was expecting the strand to be flooded. I was expecting a lot more rain. Well, I mean, I Ga guess it's good. Gas prices spiked. And grocery stores sold out of water bottles, and I think it rained two inches. Well, was that supposed to make for good fishing or not? They say a hurricane stirs up the fishing pretty good, in this case, tropical storm. We'll find out this weekend. So, uh, tell us about the Lone Star Kayak Series. Man, Lone Star Kayak Series is my baby. I've been fishing for three, three years now. It's, it's four events. Uh, April, June, August, October, two redfish tournament, heaviest redfish. Um, there's side pots for 21 inch, and which is called blackjack, blackjack, and most spots. Um, it's a pretty competitive tournament. There's a lot of kite fishing is pretty big deal now. It's really, it's, it's a really saturated industry. It's really blown up in the past few years. Um, so you compete. Uh, you get a score from each tournament. 100 points for first, second points, excuse me, 99 points for second, there, you know, et cetera, and so on. And at the end of the year, after all four events, those points are tallied together for a, you know, combined total, and the, you know, the highest score wins angler of the year. So there's an incentive to win each tournament as well as continue to fish these tournaments and place high um, in hopes of uh, winning the, uh, you know, the, the grand prize and the bragging rights of Angler of the Year. What is the grand prize? Yeah, what's the grand prize? I'm going to get down to it. This year, you get an extra thousand bucks, I think, and you get a brand new Viking kayak. You get a Warner carbon fiber paddle, which weighs next to nothing. You'll get a um, TFO Tipple Fork Outfitters rod. Um, you'll get a prize package from um, Saltwater Assassin, a bunch of baits. You get a what rod? It's called Temple Fork Outfitters. It's actually um, Gary Loomis, G. Loomis rods. A lot of most people know about them. They're really good rods. Well, he branched off and he makes his own rods called TFO Temple Fork Outfitters, and they're badass rods. And they're our new sponsor in the tournament. So, um, along with that, you'll probably get a, I believe you get a um, bison cooler, as well as a watershed dry bag. And how much in cash? Thousand bucks in cash, on top of what you'd win for the tournament. Um, all four tournaments. On top of what you win for all four tournaments. So let's yes. say you came through and you cleaned it out this year and you got a hundred, you know, or you got the first place at all of them. What, what would your total winnings be? You'd probably win about seven thousand dollars. How many contestants are there? there it depends. Um, anywhere from we had this last weekend. It was Father's Day weekend, so you know it wasn't a great turnout. We had ninety-one entries. The previous tournament there were one hundred thirty. 
Um, it's it's usually it's usually average. I'd say it averages about 130. I fished one that had 160, I believe. So it's usually well over 100. Um, and it's a cool tournament because they pay out top 25 percent. So you know, if 100 people enter, um, and you turn in one fish, and that's enough. That and that fish is enough to put you in twenty fifth place. You're gonna at least win your entry fee back. So it's a what's the entry fee? Twenty five. Sixty five bucks. Sixty five bucks. So it, it's a it pays well. It's a it's a fun way to it's a fun way to fish a tournament. How long have you been doing these tournaments? I started. I've been fishing for three three years now. Just yeah. just hardcore fishing, or or you've been fishing. Like you've been fishing the tournaments for three years. How long have you been fishing total? I've been fishing my entire life. I started kayak fishing. Before this kayak fishing craze came about, me and my dad bought kayaks before I could even drive. I think I was 13. <laughs> and we'd come down and we'd fish Virginia Point right there by the causeway and catch a few flounder and just kind of dick around. Um, and then as soon as I turned 16, me and my buddy Elliot would be down here every single weekend with our kayaks. So I've been kayak fishing, you know, for what's that, uh, 13, 14 years now. Before the craze started, huh? Before, before you could even buy a kayak with a rod holder on it, yeah. Way really? Craze. Oh yeah. Wow. What kind of kayak do you use? I've got a couple. <laughs> <laughs> He's got like four of them. Oh, you're a hoarder, huh? I'm a kayak hoarder. I've, I've got a, um, I've, I've, I've actually, I'm actually on the Vibe Kayaks Pro Team, so I've got a Vibe Sea Ghost, which is pretty, it's a pretty badass kayak for the price. Um, my buddy Chris sells them. He's a dealer for RBF Kayaks, and I've got a. Um, Ocean Kayak Trident 15, which I paddle usually on tournament days because it's long and fast and it'll get you where you need to go in a hurry. Is that the blue one? That's the big blue one. I like that one a lot. It's a beast. I like that one a lot. Yeah. We, we did, there was one day where we went out and the water was clear. It was, it was like, well, the water was clear for at least a week and we were going out and like it was like 14 feet down in this kayak and you could see the bottom of the, bottom of the water. And it was like the clearest I've ever seen. In the goal, like out, in, like out by the third, fourth sandbar, you could see all the way down, and you can see the little ripples of sand. And and I got to use that kayak; it was really fun. I didn't know that was possible out here. It's you know, Galveston can get Galveston's got a bad rep, um, but if we get favorable winds, a nice southeast wind. Why well, do you think it's a bad rep? Do you think it's because of the inexperienced fishermen out here? Just I think people are just taking taking what they what they shouldn't or. Well, or do you think it's just dirty and just Galveston needs a better reputation? People have people have have this idea that Galveston's dirty. Galveston's not dirty. Galveston's just old, you know. Galveston's been been beat up by hurricanes. It, it's an island, you know, on the Gulf Coast. It's just old. I mean, and we and we have a silty bottom compared to as you get you know further further east, further west down the coast. It's you know. It, it, There's been some days where the water looked like chocolate milk, and I've caught. A limit, a limit of trout. You never know. You never know. If the fish are there, they're there. <clears throat> I mean, you can you can pick the days when they should be there, but they're not always going to be there. But sometimes they're there in nasty water. But I think people have this this persona about Galveston. It's dirty. It's not dirty. It's just a different part of the Gulf Coast. And we get clean water. We get crystal clear water on occasion too. With Weren't there uh, people catching uh, sailfish off the with trout rods on the uh, off the jetties? When it when it gets clear, people I know people catch kingfish out there, and um, I've seen people don't believe me, but I've seen a tuna jump. Um, <laughs> people people laugh at me. But I, I I know exactly what I saw. Um, you've caught a kingfish in the yeah. Surf. I caught a kingfish off the second sandbar. Yeah, it was kind of incredible. When the water cleans up, it does clean up, and 
everything comes in. For instance, we have mangrove snapper in West Bay now. Mangrove snapper didn't, you know, 20 years ago, we didn't used to have snapper in West Bay. Now you can go out and, and fill a cooler with mangrove snapper. No, why is that? Is that is that because of the uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife or the Coastal uh, Coastal uh, Coastal Coastal Conservation yeah, Association? CCA. Well, that, I mean that 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 all that benefits our fisheries, but you know it has to do with um, proper conservation and just water temperatures. Water temperature has risen a little bit in in years. It kind of brings them up. Do you think we'll see a arrival of snook in Galveston, or do you think yes. that's too far? No, no. See snook. Is essentially like you hear hear about Texas slam. Yeah, I, I think it's I just think it's really weird how like in South South Texas, um, there that's where snook are, and then only you know you get this huge gap from you know from you know kind of I guess Matagorda all the way to Florida, and then there's no snook in between. It seems like it, um, but they're making a slight comeback. I've got a buddy who's caught two this year already. Um, back in where. Down in Freeport, back in the marsh. Yeah, and he cut he cut quite a few last year. What were you saying about the Texas slam? Oh, um, yeah. I mean, in Texas, a Texas slam is described as a, a snook, a redfish, and a trout. But we've we've adopted the flounder to take place of the snook, just because we catch flounder, we don't really catch snook here. But you know, by definition, a Texas slam is a snook, a trout, and a redfish. Um, so the snook will make a comeback. Um, it's not. It, we'll never have a great snook fishery here. Um, just, but yeah, uh, no. The numbers will keep growing with proper conservation and these warming water temperatures. Do you know why uh, north, like the the northern coast of the Texas Gulf Coastline, the limit is ten with trout, and then south, uh, I believe the limit's five. Yeah, that limit's gonna catch up. Catch up to us pretty soon. Why is that? Just because of uh, not as good conservation down there, or people overfishing, or you know, I I don't have the answer to that. I could I could speculate and say um, the numbers that you know they probably went out and did, and did a study and saw the numbers were down a little bit. So like we're gonna cut down these numbers, or or possibly uh, that area held a large number of, of really large. Of spawning fish, and they're like, well, we want to cut down on the numbers here because we don't want as many of these large spawning fish being taken out of the population. So bigger um, fish, healthier population. Yeah, and because you know, and and them cutting down on those limits, you, I mean, within two years, I've seen a massive change. You know, if you follow these accounts out of Matagorda, Matagorda, follow them on on Instagram, on Facebook. Um, these guys running on adventures, they fish out of Matagorda, and man, they slay the trout and they catch big trout regularly. Um, in those South Texas areas. Well, in, in Matagorda, just just south of us, and you know, um, Matagorda has always had a great fishery. It's always more or less been known for redfish, but in the past few years, the trout fishing has just it is it is blown up out there. And I think a lot of that has to do with the um, the conservation efforts and then adjusting the limit from uh, ten to five. You just did a podcast with CCA, didn't you? I sure did. Did you like that? Yeah, that was cool. What's the lady's name that does that podcast over there? It's not a lady. His name is Shane Bonnet. Oh, I'm, I'm he is. A, he's a cool guy. He's a, catching heat for that. The long hair? No, he didn't have long hair. Who was that on the picture that you had on Instagram? That was Drew. No, there he, there was a lady. There's an old lady. Oh, we, we were at Kitty's Purple Cow in Surfside, Texas. If you don't know about it, you need to go there. Kitty's That's Purple, on Blue Water Highway, right? It's on Blue Water Highway. It's a little purple burger shack. It's been there forever. <laughs> it's a landmark in, in Surfside. If you fish out there, you know about it. Okay, so tell me about the guy who does the podcast over there. 
Shane Bonnet. He's the coastal advo- he's the, he's the advocacy director for uh, uh, CCA, and he's got the coastal advocacy podcast um, sponsored by CCA. He works for CCA. He's a cool guy. He used to he's he used to work for Texas Parks and Wildlife. He used to manage the hatchery down in Freeport. Um, he's been he's been around this his entire life. He's very knowledgeable about it, and he's he's a he really he really loves it um he's he's been he was pretty active um in the recent change about getting the red snapper season uh, adjusted i don't know if you know about that but they they reopened red snapper season this year really yeah about time something isn't that amazing three-day season and they reopened it because it got so much backlash and so much grief because they give us a three-day season and they just keep giving more and more to so these commercials. what's the limit the limit's two two it's, it's been two for a while i remember going out and I don't know if this is breaking any laws, but you know, it's sometimes you know, we, we was the day the day within the 2014 when the seaweed was real bad, mm-hmm. and we went out and we started just doing dead drops with uh, piggy perch, mm-hmm. and we were catching uh, you know um, scamp, a bunch of scamp, and we caught a red snapper, and then it was they like you know the all the fishermen were like really pissed off, and they really didn't they really didn't like catching snapper because it was you know to only get up a three day season and it's. The restrictions on it were ridiculous. And Are those game wardens out there making uh, sure everybody's following those rules? No, and you know what? The game wardens aren't out there because, you know, outside of, I think it's five miles, maybe it's ten, I'm not sure. I should know that. It's it's federal water. So, But inside of state water, snapper season is year-round. Inside of Texas state water, snapper season is year-round, and you can keep five. What's, so, the, what's the limit offshore? Offshore, it's federal waters is two. So what happened, because all of this... You, all this like limiting our snapper season nonsense um, because the populations are down which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard you go out there and you drop down and you cannot help but catch a red snapper yeah that's what I was trying to get it's at. like throwing a piece of dead shrimp off a off a off a, off a, a, a you know a boat ramp where, there, where, there, where there's a where there's, there's a fillet table you're gonna catch a gaff top within a second but so people would go offshore catch these snapper and run back into state waters and say no I caught him within 10 miles and it wasn't you know these directors in Texas were basically like saying, like, go for it, like, do it, stick it, stick it to the government for, 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 you know, laying a three-day season on us. Go catch some snapper and come back in state water. We're not gonna mess with you. And that's kind of, I think, it's kind of been an unwritten code. Because it's response. It's 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 not irresponsible fishing that they're doing. No, it's not. Because the, the population's healthy. The population is incredibly healthy, incredibly healthy. So why are they sticking you on with the three-day season? I think a lot of it's. A lot of it has to do with lobbying for like these commercial guys, you know, because this quota is worth so much money to these commercial guys, you know. But isn't there also an issue with the guys who are doing commercial um, fishing and they're not getting the proper permits or they're overfishing? You know, that could be part of the issue. I, I, heard, I, I, I can't remember the exact tonnage that I heard a bust in Freeport they got, but it was an extremely big bust. And it was, this was last 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 year. I remember seeing that, and I I don't think I mean that's always gonna poaching is always gonna happen, but I don't think that's I don't think that's as common, and that's really the reason. I think it's I think it's a very political thing, um, as well as these scientists go out there and they get this data, and this data is delayed by four or five years. So when they when they get the results of these they do studies, the, they do the research. And four it takes, or five years. It takes four or five years to write a paper, publish, and put it out there, and by that time, uh, populations have changed. Absolutely. And, and and they don't they don't they don't they don't leave it in the hands of conservationists you know us fishermen they to report it 
no matter is what Texas that. Parks and Wildlife doing a, a better job of listening to the hunter, listening to the yes, and um, I post I I, I don't I don't uh, share much stuff on Facebook, but I shared something that Shane Bonnet, the advocacy director, shared, and it was Texas Parks and Wildlife um, dropping in a bunch of artificial reefs right on the edge of the federal and state water line. Oh, nice! Just as like as a good way of saying like, come on, snapper, come into state water so we can catch you. You know, are they moving in? Oh yeah, people are catching more and more in state waters, and this summer ought to be a great year for state water fishing um, because it's warmed up so quickly. It's warmed up. It's warmed up. We're we're like the water 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 temperature is about a month ahead of schedule right now. You know, the trout fishing turned on a month ahead of schedule. Usually, um, now it's the time it's starting to turn on. Usually, doesn't turn on until you know Mother's Day weekend is kind of the um, you know the uh, the start of of trout fishing in the surf, but it turned on. Middle of April, a month ahead of schedule. Uh, water, the water was in the seventies early April, which is which is pretty unheard of. So that, yeah, the fish, the fishing ought to be ab- absolutely outstanding this year, inshore and outshore. So it's mostly water temperature that has to do with the trout going out into the surf. Oh, absolutely, hundred percent. Okay, so before we move on into any further discussion and conversation, um, while we're trying to do our own social media presence on Instagram, Facebook, and we're working out kinks and all that good stuff on the website. Um, you started a company on Instagram, didn't you? Gulf Coast Outdoors. Gulf Coast Outdoors. Uh, can you tell us a little more about that? Man, I I can try. Gulf Coast Outdoors started it. We were studying finals a year ago, and I was like, man, I'm starting an Instagram page. I've got piles and piles and piles of fishing pictures, good fishing pictures, and I see all these pages of everyone just reposting other people's pictures, and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna start my own page. So I looked up Gulf Coast Outdoors. It wasn't taken talked to Alex about it he's like dude yeah that's us so I locked it down and it's grown very quickly um you know I've put a bit of time into it but we're up to 17,000 followers in it in just a little over a year right now that's Um, impressive so it is yeah thank you thank you um so it's a it's a page showcasing what I do what my friends do um we've got some apparel coming eventually um you know we're just kind of seeing where it goes right now we'll put that on our website too do it go ahead please i'm gonna put this on the uh, on all the pages as well right on so um you do hunting as well don't you man i'm a big bow hunter what's the biggest thing you've taken with the bow <laughs> i shot an 18 point three years ago free range like low fence not not a high fence protein fed 18 this was a brazos river buck cold him in with a grunt um they they were really early down there. This was in October, um, very beginning of October, right right at the beginning of bow season. Um, eighteen point non typical. He had twenty twenty one points, but only eighteen were scoreable. He was a monster. What kind of bow do you have? I've got PSE. People hate on PSEs. Why? I don't, I don't want to hear any backlash. They're cheap. They're cheaper bows, but they they make the fastest bows on the market. And they're, why? They're, just the they just they always made, they've always made fast fast bows, and currently the fastest bow on the market is made by PSE. People have this. There's a status. There's a status thing in the bow hunting industry. Gotta have Hoyt. You gotta have a Hoyt. Well, Hoyt. I, I would. Lo- I love Hoyts, but more particular Matthews. You gotta have a Matthews. Well, Matthews are like, they're the, they're the most. You know, they're the high dollar bows, but they don't have the speed that Hoyts or PSEs have. But it's a Matthews. I've got a Matthews. It's it's. It's like it's, having a Benelli shotgun. It, I have a Benelli, so it's it's you know I have a Benelli shotgun, and and I you can use an old Remington 870. And go out there and, and do just as much damage, but yeah, it's very comparable to that. So it's a 
It's it's a status thing. What's the price tag on one of those Matthews? <laughs> they get expensive, don't they? Hell, yeah, they do. Got over a thousand bucks. Jeez, Damn. Yeah. and that's not even and that's base, right? They don't put any. Uh, and that's bare bow over a thousand bucks. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's without a sight. That's without a stabilizer. It's out of rest. You're gonna. I mean, you're gonna drop a hundred. So what does that stabilizer do? Well, kind of keeps it. Sta- kind of keeps weight in the front end of it. It's counterbalance, you know. How you, much weight's in that front end? It depends. Um, I want to. You know, actually, that's a good question. I don't know how heavy my stabilizer is. Um, <laughs> but the fr- you want to. I like a longer. What are you drawing back at? I think I'm at like 73 right now. It's cranked down a little, a little over where it's supposed to be. You do a lot of practicing. Not as much as I should. The back. Don't you have a you have a tree in your backyard where you would shoot off the tree, right? I, <laughs> yeah, I used to have a tree stand in my backyard, but you had a tree stand in your backyard. Yeah, on a palm tree. Yes, <laughs> on a palm tree, and uh, trying to catch some beachgoers. You know, so it was cool. You know, girls liked it. They're like, you have a tree stand in your backyard. You're like, yep. You want to get up in there? <laughs> Is there a lot of tree stand hunting in Texas? I don't, yeah, what's, I don't new, yeah. what's new with the public land issue in Texas? Is, is the, are the public lands worth hunting or what public land? Is that that's a good. That's Texas a, is ninety eight percent private. Really, owned, and the public land that is huntable it's is terrible. just shot out. I mean, because everyone's there. Yeah, there's stories. I got one. I have one buddy. He's a he's a rider actually. He's you a, can't you can't rifle hunt out in public land, can you? Yeah, um, so you can rifle hunt, but you can't use a scope. You can't use any scopes on your rifles. So iron sight. Iron sights. No scopes at all. No scopes, and so you no, can take a thirty thirty out there. You take a thirty thirty, absolutely. Um, but and no scopes and no buckshot, which is, I understand why, but it's like buckshot. It's meant for bucks, deer. But yeah, no, uh, you can use bows. You can use crossbows. I don't, I don't you can use is crossbow. Cro- I heard I've heard crossbows. They used to be outlawed for hunting, and now I guess they're becoming more and more acceptable. Crossbows are considered a bow and arrow. You can use them during bow season, which I don't endorse whatsoever. I think there should be special reasons for you to use a, a crossbow and, and it be eligible to be um, used during bow season. Um, it's essentially a short range rifle. You have a scope on it, for God's sakes, and you pull the trigger. But yes, uh, crossbows are allowed. And um, you know they are they are a, a um, legal means of taking game during bow season. You don't have a crossbow, do you? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> no, I do not. Uh, I do You're not. Let them have it, Paul. You know, I'll get one if I if 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 like you know physical requirements call for me to get one. Like I couldn't pull a bow back, but as long as I can pull a bow back, I'm gonna bow hunt, not crossbow hunt. Sorry, you're gonna you're gonna get me all heated up talking about crossbows. <laughs> is is bow hunting that that much harder than? Hunt with a rifle. Uh, if you practice, it's not. I wouldn't say it's harder, but it takes a lot more time. You know, because you have to have this animal within a certain, you know, certain range. Uh, and as an animal comes in closer to you, you know, the the the, the elements get you know more and more against you. If you your sitting has to be under control, the wind has to be proper, uh, and if, you know your movements have to be really you know really fluid. Uh, so yeah, it's harder. Um, but I think more importantly, it just it just it takes more time. You have to have more time on your hands to be a successful bow hunter, I believe. You hunt from a blind? I usually, I hunt in a tree stand. Um, mm-hmm. Do you bring your own tree stand out there or? Oh yeah, hang my own, hang my own tree stands. Um, is that difficult? No, hanging tree stands isn't hard. I don't, uh, I mean, if you have a ladder out there, it's, it's a lot easier, but uh, I mean, it's, it's not difficult. It you takes, can do it with some rope. I just, I would, I got screwing pegs and I'd screw a peg in, step up, screw another peg in, step up, and. You're up there. Yeah, I mean, one, you don't want to, 
you can fall off, but if you're <laughs> if you're able bodied, um, it's not too difficult now. Do you uh, do you ever do any turkey hunting? I've actually never shot a turkey. Oh, you're ben, missing out, Paul. Ben's a big turkey hunter. Oh, really? I love See, turkey hunting. He's from North Carolina. He said that they, that's one of the biggest. But the crazy thing, in North Carolina, you can't use a rifle to hunt a turkey. It's got to be a shotgun. Just shotgun. Huh? Yeah. So that's why I, I was, found it hard to believe. You could use rifles down here. You can take can you them a long use, way away. You can shoot them wherever you, you want down here. Really? Pretty much, yeah. I, I have buddies. Who have you taken a Sand Hill crane yet? No, no, you didn't. want to, don't you? We so we laid up for Sandhill cranes this year, and um, they've been coming down on um, this one piece of pasture. We laid up for them, and um, we laid in one spot where they'd been, and then all of a sudden we we were facing the wrong direction. They they landed. They were about to land right behind us. All of a sudden we just heard, and we turn around. And right behind us, there's about 30 sandhills about to oh, land 20 yards behind us. And they have great eyesight. Sandhills have amazing eyesight, as, in, as most birds do. And we turn around. And they're like, pull and up, pull and up. And it was just too late. And uh, so we hunted them, I think I hunted them four days in a row after that. And they just, they wouldn't come. Near as close as they did the one day. They wouldn't come back. They're they smart birds. They're really smart birds. So I uh, took some shots at them, but uh, did not shoot any sandhills. Wait, where was this at? This was at the ranch down the west end. Mm -hmm. um, there's a big old piece of property on the west end of Galveston I can, I got access to. Mm -hmm. um, it's in between Sea Isle and uh, Jamaica Beach. Yeah. So we all, always see that you, um, that you, that you're always out there uh, kayak fishing and posting on your Gulf Coast Outdoors page. So uh, take us through a morning uh, that Paul go when Paul goes fishing that when he takes a kayak or the boat out. You know, just hit us. Okay, I can do that. Get up. What time are you getting up? I'm, it depends, man. If I'm going to fish surf, I'm probably getting up at like 4 in the morning. It's, it's probably about 4, 4.30 in the morning. I like to get up early. I like, to, I like to have time. I like to be rushed. I like to drink coffee, build a turd. Um, get up, make some coffee, make some oatmeal, get in the car, head out, drink a cup of coffee or two, um, get out there. By that time, the coffee's set in, and then it's time to go um, off into the bushes for a little bit and do my morning deed. I can't tell you how many times I've had to go to the restroom on the beach or out in the marsh. Uh, that's a, that's a big part of it, very big part of it. Because once you get a kayak, what do you get to do, you know? Um, so that's a big part of it. And <laughs> get in the water. I, I like to get in the water nice and early, like at least an hour before sunrise, ideally. Cause there's five o'clock. Five o'clock. Yes. So the whole hour, you're you're kind of prepping and ready to get and getting out there. It takes about thirty minutes to get down there, right? Yeah, well, yeah, it depends on how fast you drive, but yeah, it takes about 30 minutes, driving, driving at 4 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> uh, and get out early, because there's a really good bite, you know, right before sunrise, obviously, and um, you want to be, I like to be in my spot, that I plan on fishing that day by sunrise, I feel, I feel too, too many people get in the water at sunrise, and they're in the spot they like to be in, and they probably missed a really good window. Um, when Some of the best windows are right, like, right when the sun's peeking up. Yeah, um, Ideally, because um, a sunrise, a sunset, a moonrise, a moonset, it, it, it throws off some, some kind of equilibrium in the, on the earth and it triggers a feeding um, you know, instinct. They call it a feeding time for fish. So you want to you gauge your fishing around, obviously, sunrise, sunset, but even, even more so if you can add in um, a moon phase into that, a full moon, um, a new moon, which is when there's no moon and it rises and sets with the sun. A full moon um, rises when the sun sets and it sets when the sun rises. So there's there's kind of double influence on the bites then. 
That's when it's really on. That's when it's, that's when the fishing. If you if you if you ever had a really great morning, you're like, why was it so good? Go back and check a moon phase, and I guarantee you, it was, you were probably fishing around a moon phase. Or if you've ever had a really good bite in the middle of the day, it's a moon phase. There's probably a moon up or a moon down, which is when the moon is directly above the Earth or directly below the Earth, and that as well triggers a, 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 a pretty serious feeding time. You think it's something magnetic? I, I, I guess so. Something magnetic, something it just throws something off, um, and it just makes them feed. Because fish could feed all day, every day, you know. What, what makes them feed? Nothing in particular. I mean, tides, obviously, in salt water help with that, but a moon phase is really what makes them just gets them agitated. I always thought that was strange how they, they you know, those, the feeding times, you know, there's always the hot spots to, yeah. to and go get them. Like John Michael was out, um, John Michael's part of the Gulf Coast Outdoors team, right, with the pictures. and He's he's a, he's our resident shark fisherman, stud of a shark fisherman. So he was out, uh, I think, last weekend, and the water was really, the surf was really rough. He caught six bull sharks. In like four hours, goodness, and they were, they weren't small. They were like no. six six foot, and then the biggest one was seven three. So, do you think that 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 could have affected something, triggered the sharks to feed? And I, if I had to guess, I didn't. You know, I'll, I'll have to look back on that. But I, I'm willing to bet there was a moon phase around that time. I I would assume, because um, you know what what would what else would 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 make sharks feed so heavily in in, in, a, in a short window as it was. If I had to guess, yes. Um, but you never know. It's saltwater fishing. It could have just been the fish were just, they just happened to be there. John Michael knows what he's doing out there. So, I don't know. I'll have to look back on that. Have you talked to any of the uh, other uh, avid fishermen on the island? Um, or are you just kind of just doing your own thing? Man, I'm pretty, I'm a loner when it comes to fishing. Uh, I'm a big loner. When I like fishing on the sail for the most part. I don't like it's a stress relief thing. Dad, I just I don't know. I just don't, I don't I don't like necessarily like holding on holding conversations while I'm not fishing all the time. I like to talk to myself, figure thing figure things out. Uh, do I just have I talked to anyone? Not really, man. I talked to some, some of some of my kayak buddies, but um, I can't say I'm too like socially active in the fishing community. I probably should be a little more, but no, I I haven't really not not as of late. Where are the hot spots with that kayak fishing? Where's everybody pushing off at? Man, that is a very broad question. Um, a lot of a lot of a lot of the, like the heavy, you know, quote unquote heavy hitters, like to fish on Freeport, like to fish the the marshes above the intercoastal, you know, the, the true backcountry. Uh, so they'll launch out of Swan Isle boat ramp. Um, you can launch off of Coney Island in Freeport. Uh, you might launch into Christmas and fish the marsh around. Um, where um, Cold Pass dumps into Christmas Bay. Uh, a lot of people like to fish up in Chocolate uh, Chocolate Bayou. And a lot of people actually like to go really far inland and fish in Highland Bayou. And you can launch out of Louis Bay Camp. Have you ever fished at, in Kima? I haven't fished in Kima. Well, off the dike? I've never done any dike fishing ever. I've launched a boat off you know, off of there and, 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 and ran up in Trinity and waited, but I've never fished around the dike, no. I know, I know people catch a lot of big bulls out there. And I know summertime, people go set up their big old stage lights and generators and absolutely tear into the trout out there. And that's something I'd really like to do. What about uh, the flounder over in uh, the bays? they got a healthy population? Yeah. The flounder fishing is really, like, you know, a few years ago the flounder run was just, for multiple years in a row, the flounder run was really slow. It was really crappy. And um, I think the population's 
quality everything else have really grown and the flounder the, the flounder fishery is, is is pretty tremendous down here you know it's it's hard not to go out on a, on a day of inshore fishing and not catch a flounder because usually usually most you're not going out targeting flounder if you are you can you know to look for you can you can almost always be successful but if you're going out you know just inshore fishing you're probably working baits a little faster than flounder like but you're probably going to catch them anyways because our population and our fishery is that good well, you know, you know, you know. We 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 you you've been to one of my flounder spots, and we we tore them into, into them that day. Yeah, that was a that was a really fun day. We were we were almost stepping on those things. What um what advice can you give the uh, the weekender who's coming down uh, that wants to uh, go fishing? Just get out there. Like um if 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 you don't know too much about it, just find someone you like to look of and get out there. Um, throw whatever you're throwing with confidence. Confidence is huge. If you if you have no confidence in what you're using, you're probably not going to catch anything. Um, as well as if you're not having fun, you know, a positive mindset will, will make you so successful in in anything, uh, fishing included. So stay positive. Um, throw baits you're confident with, and um, stick to it. Be persistent. Don't be, and you know, don't be afraid to change it up if it's not working. Now, a word of advice to the uh, active uh, fisherman, the active angler who uh, who probably be listening and I don't know. Just word of advice. Um, you know, I think this is the biggest thing. I already, I already touched on this. Look at moon phases, man. Moon phases, fishing the right time has really elevated my fishing because you can go fishing any time of the day, but if you can plan your fishing and fish efficiently, you're going to be more successful. Um, if you only have a limited amount of time in the water, fish when the fishing's good. Find, you know, try try to put together um, a moon phase and, and a particular tide phase, um, and the, your chances of success are going to skyrocket. So you know, fish efficiently. Don't just don't just go fishing fishing um, necessarily because you want to. I mean, yeah, if you want you want to, cool. But um, you know, try to find you know the ideal time to catch whatever you're targeting. How far out can you plan these moon phases? You can look at them. You can look at a moon phase for a year, and they're accurate. Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. There's, there's, there's no, there's no, there's no science to. Uh, like, I suppose it is a science, but there's, there's no. It's not like meteorology, which is a guessing game, mm -hmm. absolute total guessing game. No, moon phases are. The moon is going to do this. It's, it's going to be a new moon. It's going to go to first quarter. It's going to be a full moon. It's going to go to third quarter. It's going to go back around. There's, there's nothing to it. You can look at any solar charts and uh, find that out. What I like to check is a website called Tides, the number four fishing.com, and it'll give you the tides, it'll give you the moon phases, and it'll give you the influence on the bite. Like it'll have a three, like three star rating. Um, three stars is like you know heavy, heavy feet. Get out time. there, girl. yeah. Don't don't just tell tell the lady at home, hey, sorry, I'm going fishing. Exactly. Like make an excuse, you know, get in a fight with your girl, whatever. You got to do break up for the weekend, <laughs> whatever you got to do, get out there. Yeah. So that if for the. Um, that's a that's a that's a bulletproof way to to uh, really elevate your fishing with without having to do too much research and learn too much about that. So I've got to ask this. This might be a dumb question, but that eclipse is coming. Is that going to affect? Are you going to have like monster mutant fish come out of the bay or something? Oh yeah, like like three gilled fish, all kinds <laughs> of crazy things will come out. Then, um, yeah, you know, I don't. Yeah, you know, this, this is going to be interesting because it's never. It's this is the first time happening in a long time. So it's, this eclipse is what's happening with this eclipse. This the the 
this the, the moon's eclipsing the sun or yes yeah, so the moon's going to come in front of the sun it's not going to be a full eclipse in texas but it's going to be a partial at least half of the sun's going to be covered up i think yeah i imagine that that will have some serious impact on the fishing and if you check that website i'm, I'm sure it'll 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 have the the times laid out when the fishing will be really good around that um South, it, you're going to South Carolina, right, Ben? Yeah, it's going to be a total eclipse up there. It's going to be. I just want to see that. I, I, I really want to see that, too. So what time of day is this eclipse going to happen? It's happening like 2. On the East Coast, it's like 2.45. Um, and obviously, it's coming from west to east. So I'm assuming it's going to be a little bit earlier here. Well, that'll be neat. I don't know I don't know that I've ever, I've ever seen that. That'll be cool. Are you going with him? I don't know. I'm thinking about it. I know you're, you're you're asking me about that. I asked Paul to go too. We should go up there and go to Charleston, have a good old time. I've heard so much about Charleston. I would love to go there at some point. I hear it's like the true South. It's amazing, dude. It's beautiful up there. You'd like it. It's expensive though. That I've heard that as well. Very but, expensive to live there. That's what I've heard. But uh, a lot of anglers up there, mostly offshore guys for the most part. Charleston has that like they've got that low country like chasing redfish in the grass, like a, a, a you know skiff life kind of. Um, it's a big fly fishing community. Other than that, yeah, it's all offshore stuff. You do yeah. offshore fishing? I'd love to. I just don't get to go very often. Yeah, it's expensive. <laughs> right it is. Yeah, yeah, it's expensive. But <laughs> yeah, I just yeah, I don't get to go very often. Intro fishing's my baby. I, I mean, I would love to. I would probably get into offshore fishing just as much as I, I got. I get into intro fishing, but you know. You have a flat bottom boat or anything? Yeah, I got a little skiff. You it's, take it out much? Not running right now, so no. I'm a kayak guy for the most part. Um, we got a little jumbo I run I run around very often, but scat. No, uh, that's the skiff. It's not working. That Drew needs to get needs to get prepped up. Yeah, when Drew comes back. But we got we've got the SS Minnow Johnson. That's a little jumbo. And uh, <laughs> what an amazing name. The SS Minnow Johnson. She's a bad little girl. Um, and she gets you where you want, where you need to be for wade fishing, you know. Um, but I, I'm most importantly, just use that as transportation, dragging my kayaks out somewhere so I can go fish in the marsh, chasing redfish around. Get skinny, put the kayak in, and, and just go just dangerously skinny where these redfish are just crawling around. You can see them in the water. So uh, I got another question. It's about Gulf Coast Outdoors. What do you plan on doing with Gulf Coast Outdoors? Man, I'm not sure exactly yet. It's just it's taken off so quickly. Uh, we plan on for sure. In the future, we'll have we'll have a lot of shirts coming out. So, um, so these sponsors were um, these sponsors you got. Uh, they paid for some of your tournaments, correct? Yes, yes. Um, and in return, you know, obviously, I, I wear their stuff, and I, and I wear their stuff because I really like their stuff. Like, if, if people have asked me, like, "Hey, we do, you know, can you post this on your page? We'll give you this and that." I'm like, yeah, I just. It would be ingenuine if I did, so I'm not going to. So, so you only post. So if they send you stuff and 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 you say I'll test it out and see if I like it. If you don't like it, you're not. No, yeah, I, I would never. I would never wear or endorse anything that I don't actually like because I don't have to. You know, fuck them. Like if I if I like them, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll 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 support you. I'll represent your stuff. But I don't like you. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie to my followers. Too many, too many, too many pages do that. And Gulf Coast Outdoors is not like that. That's what we're trying to do with Galveston Island Podcast. We're trying to make it so you know, it's a, it's a form, and you know, you be able to speak if you don't like something. Uh, it's there. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. It's, it. We all, we all have that First Amendment right to speak and do what we want, and 
giving other people false information is kind of you know what we're against put out what you like do what what makes you happy and if you know if you know if you're doing something okay people people will like it people will follow it but if they, you know the ones that don't whatever you can't you can't please everyone you know and you can't be in, in anyone can be ingenuine and inauthentic but in the long run that's not going to get you anywhere well i think it was a productive day of uh an interview with mr paul thorburn uh you can follow him at Gulf Coast Outdoors, and what's your other uh, Instagram handle? Uh, just Paul T W T. Paul Twat. Paul <laughs> Paul T W T. That's my personal Instagram. Or you can find me on Facebook, Paul Thorburn. Do you have a Facebook for Gulf Coast Outdoors yet? I do not. I do not. <sighs> He's slipping. That's his next project. He'll get on it. I'm pretty lazy when it comes to social media. Too busy fishing. Be sure to follow us on uh, Gulf Coast Outdoors, uh, every, every, not Gulf Coast Outdoors, Galveston Island Podcast, everything, Instagram, uh, GalvestonIslandPodcast.com, the, this uh, podcast will be there. Uh, you can listen to other earlier podcasts, but for right now, we're going to sign off. Ben? Paul, we appreciate you having you, man. Hopefully you will be back sometime soon. Hey, I enjoyed it, guys. Guys, stay cool out there. It was a hot one. It was like 93 degrees outside, so. Feels like 110 in the shade. (laughs) Guys, we appreciate you listening, and as always, stay salty.